Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. In today's episode, we're going to be covering Game 2 of the 1977 World Series between the Dodgers and the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Game 1 had a very exciting finish. The Dodgers tying things up in the ninth inning after Thurman Munson gave the Yankees the lead in the 8th. Lee Lacy, of course, with the pinch hit. And then after going into extra innings, the 12th inning, Sparky Lyle dominant, some great defensive plays on both sides. Paul Blair comes up with the game-winning hit, bringing in Willie Randolph to give the Yankees a one-games-to-none series lead. And they'll have a chance to maintain home field advantage in this series before we head out to Los Angeles. You know, in reactions to a game one like that, that's so competitive, uh, you know, up there with the greats among games between the Dodgers and the Yankees and their very storied history uh, against one another, right? We're, we're expecting another great game here, some great back and forth. And what we're actually going to get is a pretty dominant showing on one side, still going to be a very entertaining game uh, for reasons I'll get into. Uh, But those are the ebbs and flows that you get in a series, especially uh, one with two really, really great teams. Like occasionally, sometimes you, you get seven great games, and sometimes you've got, you know, a couple of great games and a couple of, a couple of laughers in there. Uh, but anyway, we're going to see some magnificent performances in this game. Uh, and it's really going to, this game's going to be about the Dodgers and what they're able to do to respond after a sort of heartbreaking loss. When you lose in walk-off fashion, when you lose such a tight game that you fought so hard, you got a great outing from Don Sutton, you got off to a great start in that game. Right, they scored two runs in the first inning, but they only added on one more run after that. I mean, that's really the story. The Yankees responded. So how are you going to respond in game two? How are you going to deal with the World Series jitters, the different things that go into that? A lot of interesting kind of storylines going into this game two, especially with both of the starting pitchers. More on that after a word from our sponsor. Get Mr. Bubble, come on, get happy. Gotta wipe all that dirt away. When you're a busy kid, playing all day long, watching your favorite shows, sometimes you don't want to stop and take a bath. Nowadays, who can spare the time? And moms, well, they have a devil of a time getting you to bathe. You're just too big to chase down, carry, and throw in the bathtub water. Moms know it's better to use a carrot than a stick. And when it comes to cleanliness, the carrot comes in a pink box of Mr. Bubble. Just a few shakes of Mr. Bubble's box, and your kids come and run into the tub, stripped naked to the gills. Watch them dive into that bubbly, sudsy warm water and disappear into a sea of foam. They'll enjoy endless fun, like bringing a box of ex-presidents into the bath. 
and pretending they are part of an elite squad of counter-espionage agents, all with special skills and political intrigue. You'll find yourself with a new problem with Mr. Bubble. Your kid won't want to ever leave the tub. You know Mr. Bubble has done his job when you drain out that tepid water and see that ring of soapy dirt left behind. Hours of fun and a clean kid. What more do you want out of a pink box of detergent? It's like you toss them in the washing machine, but without all the tumbling and agitation. Let Mr. Bubble and his special formula of unusually intense soapy suds work his chemical magic. Get Mr. Bubble, come on, get happy. Gotta wipe all that dirt away. Shout hallelujah, get in the tubby. You're gonna get a bath today. We're going to have a matchup of right-handers in this game, too. Burt Hooten will be starting for the Dodgers. And Jim Catfish Hunter, sort of surprisingly, is going to be going for the Yankees. Um, I'll have more on Hunter for a second, but it is a bit of a surprise given how much he struggled this year and the fact that he hasn't pitched in over a month due to those injuries. Uh, but we'll get back to the future Hall of Famer in the moment. I do want to talk about Bert Hooten, who is really going to be sort of the star of this game and really kind of has an underrated career. Um, one of those guys who actually has a signature pitch, Bert Hooten. The knuckle curveball is sort of seen as his invention or sort of he's the grandfather of the uh, – uh, the knuckle curveball, you know, that or that spike curveball and, you know, a really effective weapon for him to use because it's a little bit of an unpredictable pitch. It's not your traditional curveball with spin. It can it can sometimes sort of break in towards a righty or break away from a lefty. I have a little bit of almost screwball action to it. And when Hooten's at his best and he's really going to be at his best tonight, the guy can be unhittable. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy who authored a no-hitter very early in his career against the Phillies. That's when he was with the Cubs in the early 70s. And he's a guy who has had stretches of being really dominant in his career. He also can have stretches where he really struggles uh, and stuff. But, you know, kind of walking back through his past, his history, um, it's really kind of a fascinating career. Hooten's from Texas. His dad worked for the oil company, which we now know as Exxon. Uh, it used to be called Humble, um, you know, and ended up going to University of Texas. Was awesome there. One of the best all-time college pitchers. He went 35-3 and in his college career with a 1-1-4 ERA. He was the Longhorns' first three-time All-American in baseball. And he led them to two College World Series appearances. I mean, just like, how about that? He didn't allow a run in the 1969 College World Series when he was a freshman. I mean, just in, you know, he's a college baseball Hall of Famer uh, and pretty much went almost straight to the big leagues in 1971 after getting drafted second overall by the Cubs. He's basically a couple weeks later in the big leagues, though he did get sent down to AAA and kind of bounced in between AAA uh, and the majors for the rest of the year. Uh, but then authored a no-hitter his second year in the big leagues very early on. Had a, de you know, a decent stretch with the Cubs. 
you know, his first full season in 72 went 11 and 14. So not a great record, but a 280 ERA. Um, but then he kind of sort of ran out of gas with the Cubs, right? Like uh, had a bad year in 74, had dealt with some injuries, went, had a 480 ERA, started off terrible at the beginning of 1975, but gets traded to the Dodgers and is immediately a new man, goes 18 and 7 with a 282 ERA in 1975. Um, not always great with the record, but, you know, 77 was his best year to date, essentially. 12 and 7, 262 ERA, uh, which was a career low for him until 1981. Uh, and he's in the midst of a stretch between 75 and 81 where he's one of the best right-handed pitchers in the National League. Um, and a funny thing about him, right, his nickname was Happy, but it's a ironic nickname uh, because he was known to be a very stoic guy. Uh, and when down in like the Dominican winter leagues and uh, during the 1975 uh, off season with future manager, Tommy Lasorda, they're all cramped in partying and uh, Bert Hooten's there just kind of like sitting, uh, reading something, looking all looking just not sort of myopic and uninterested in everything else going on. And Lasorda is like, Hey, look at that happy fellow there. It's happy Hooten and forever known, but forevermore, he was known as happy Burt Hooten. Um, and you know, so this was a guy who was a really, really solid pitcher, uh, and known for being relatively stoic and calm. We actually saw him get really, really animated in the NLCS, uh, thanks to Harry Wendelstadt and his shenanigans. Um, and we saw Hooten really kind of lose his cool, lose that stoicism. So it's very interesting heading into this game two of the World Series of like, all right, your first postseason appearance, Bert Hooten, you got rattled. The stoic, happy Hooten did, looked really angry. So how are you going to respond for this game? And going to have to say, uh, he does a pretty, pretty darn awesome job in this game. And that's it's exactly what Tommy Lasorda and the Los Angeles Dodgers need. It is exactly what they need uh, after a walk-off loss. So on the other side, for Billy Martin and the New York Yankees, you know, the, the pitching staff really got pushed in the series against the Royals, right? Gidry had to go to get, you had multiple guys who had to go to games or guys who were just ineffective, right? Gullet was ineffective, much better in game one of the World Series, but both Torres and Gidry are not going to be available for the first two games in New York, even though you know, Torres, like in, in different ways, Torres had a rough start and was great in relief and Gidry had a great start and then a rough start. Uh, and Sparky Lyle's been heavily used. You, you're probably going to want to lay off him for this game. He th ended up throwing over three innings the game before. Who knows what else you have in the bullpen other than Dick Tidrow. Um, can you trust Ed Figueroa? Who, who that? So the options here for Billy Martin aren't great. Now, 
you're a little bit like, okay, when Catfish Hunter, Jim Hunter says, hey, you know what? My shoulder's feeling better. I'm going to give it a go, right? Even despite how much Catfish struggled this year, which he dealt with arm fatigue, which is not a surprise given how many innings the man threw over the past, basically over the past decade, you know, being one of the best pitchers in baseball, right? Coming off of essentially five straight 20 win seasons. I think between 72 and 75 or 72 and 76, a guy who, you know, was an eight time all-star three-time world series champion, a world series that like a, like a dog in the postseason, a workhorse. Right, 15 games started, 8 and 4 record, 281 ERA, 109 innings pitched in the postseason to this point in his career. Like, you're telling me that guy is is gonna show up here? Like we're we're hoping that that guy's gonna show up. Well, count me in. Count everybody in. The question is, is that guy gonna show up here? Because he hasn't been here this year. <laughs> right? Shoulder problems. Also got diagnosed with diabetes and uh, had other health issues. And, you know, as we would later find out uh, later in his life, you know, Catfish died of ALS, um, you know, 20, year, 20 or so years after this. But, um, you know, the thing for, for, for Hunter was like, this was a guy you wanted to give the ball to. He was one of the most trusted people in the game. And he brought a really calm approach to the game. It's just frankly an unknown. And even Catfish says that in the interview here with Howard Cosell before the game. Jimmy, you're ready for tonight, A physically, B mentally and emotionally. Yes, I am. I you know I think when I get out there, I'm too dumb to get scared. I just go out there and, and try to throw strikes. If I get beat, I get beat by win, I win. There's only you know, there's no tomorrow or nothing. You just go out there and do the best you can. Your whole career has been one in which you've always met the big challenge, won the big game. Do you have that inner feeling tonight that this will be a repeat? Well, I think uh, when a pitcher walks out to the mound, if he throws the first strike, if he gets the first guy or second guy out, he relaxes and then he starts pitching his type of ball game. And your shoulder is sound. Well, I haven't thrown in a month uh, hard, but uh, just going on the side and everything, it feels good. Good luck to you. Thank you. Some earlier comments from James Catfish Hunter. The lineups for both teams are pretty much the same with one change for the Dodgers. It's going to be Rick Monday, the left-handed hitting uh, former A's and Cubs outfielder. The first ever draft pick. Uh, He's going to be in there instead of Glenn Burke with the right-handed Hunter on the mound for the Yankees. Now, Catfish is looking to start off this game much better than Don Gullett. Don Gullett had three walks in the first inning, gave up two runs, really struggled with command, but he ended up figuring it out. Catfish Hunter is going to start off a little better with the first two batters, but he himself is going to run into trouble. And even from the first two batters, you can kind of see it. You know, hard contact from Davey Lopes, who rips one to center field, but Mickey Rivers runs it down. He falls behind Bill Russell, um, but gets in the zone. Bill Russell hits a line drive to left field, so two outs. And, you know, this is how Catfish Hunter pitches, right? He pitches 
to let the guys put the ball in play, pitches to contact, to control, wants to keep free bases away. And in Yankee Stadium, that big ballpark, and back when he pitched in Oakland, right? Big ballpark. Hey, if you're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, okay, right? And Hunter gave up 29 home runs in 143 innings. He was a guy who gave up home runs, but he wanted to keep guys off the bases, right? Didn't want to walk guys, didn't want to work long counts. Um, You know, so for the most part, his approach was to attack, attack with his fastball and his slider. Well, the middle of this order for the Dodgers can do a lot of damage. And we are going to see that. He falls behind Reggie Smith, a guy who's gotten him in all-star games before. Leaves a fastball kind of down and away. Reggie Smith from the left side, the switch hitter, much more power from the left, drops the bat head on it, splits the right center field gap immediately putting a runner in scoring position. But it looks like Catfish is going to respond pretty well with Ron Say at the plate. The Penguin dots a slider on the on the corner down and away, and then kind of throws what's more of a cutter, but a slider sort of at the top of the zone. We hear Tom Seaver talk about it. And what Hunter's going to try to do, right? He's gotten two sliders in the zone. He's definitely going to try to get Say to expand the zone right? Try to start that slider just on the edge of the plate. See if say will, will expand, especially with it, with the pitch being called on the edge, but there is a problem. And many of us who will fall into this trap, if you've been a pitcher where you get ahead, it's it's O2. You want to throw that sweeping slider, that breaking ball in the dirt and you throw, you throw it as hard as you can. And then it just sits up there and doesn't spin. And stuff like this happens. Well, you've seen a slow, low slider and a high slider. He's getting his pitches tonight. Ed Sudol behind the plate. Of course, is a National League umpire. He's given him the first pitch was right on the knees. The other pitch by the letters. Say he wants to say, you can have one of them, but you can't have both of them. <laughs> ah, ball. Hit well to left. Manella going back, going back. It is gone. Out at 390. Dodgers feed 2-0. That's what we meant about watching Hunter in the first inning. Keith, that's a that's really a pitcher's mistake. Now he, he's 0-2. Now he's got he had a low slider for a strike, a high slider for a strike. And now he's way ahead of the hitter. He threw the ball right down the middle of the plate. You cannot let Ronnie Say extend his arms, and that's a long way to hit the ball out there into the bullpen. That's a great shot we got, but no help from the wind. He hit that ball a long way. That's no excuse for that being 0-2 and then giving up a, a home run. What a swing there from Ron Say. Little guy, but with a lot of power. I don't know if penguins have ever come across uh, catfish in the wild. Maybe they've come across them at the zoo, uh, but he takes a, but uh, this penguin took a big bite out of that catfish there. Um, you know, you end up throwing that cement mixer O2. If, if you've ever pitched for any extended period of time, you've probably made that mistake before where you've gotten up in an account and you're just, you're trying, you're trying to throw the best breaking ball you've ever thrown in your life. And then you throw the worst. It, it's like the ball even hardly breaks. It just, it seems like it is 
like a magnet is in the center of the bat because it's just like, how did I loop right to the barrel? How did that happen? Um, that's one of those where you know it out of the hand. <laughs> it's just like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Um, what a swing there from Ron Say and gets over Lou Pinella's head. We're going to see some balls headed out in that direction and Lou Pinella at the wall. It's going to be a theme, unfortunately, for the Yankees in this game. And, you know, that moment there kind of sucks the air out of out of the stadium. Uh, you were hoping for the one, two, three inning. Don't get it. And now you're down two runs. Um, and it's just like, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, well, maybe Catfish Hunter, a guy who has struggled in early in games and figured it out in the World Series before, saw it with the A's. Even saw it the year before, like against the Reds. He settled down, ended up losing in basically in the ninth inning uh, after a rough start. So not not abnormal for Catfish to get off to a rough start. Um, but what really gets in the way for the Yankees is the fact that they're not going to be able to respond like they did in game one. And that's because Burt Hooten comes out shooting Um, like, you know, works a full count against Mickey rivers, but gets him to pop out. And then we see that knuckle curve go to work. I mean, just dismantles Willie Randolph leading to kind of a funny moment here. Like knuckle curve ball falls off the table. Willie Randolph realizes it way too late unable to check his swing. He definitely goes, but umpire Ed Sudol calls him out on the swing, doesn't appeal over to the first base umpire, which leads to Willie Randolph getting mad and which leads to Billy Martin coming out. And to this pretty entertaining exchange between Ed Sudol, a very tall umpire and the diminutive Billy Martin. Listen here. That might be one of my favorite exchanges between an umpire and a manager that I've, uh, that I've heard um, because Billy Martin's coming out all ready to have an argument you know, and have like a, don't intimidate me. Don't do this. But he's just like, Hey, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm not doing that. Sudol's like, I just, you know, he went far enough for me. And Billy Martin's like, okay, well, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm not arguing whether or not he went, just, just get some help. And it's like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh of, well, that's, I mean, he wanted to get that point across is, Hey, maybe he went because everyone could see anyone who's there is yeah Willie Randolph went he went too far he got fooled on the pitch um there was just inconsistency back then of a lot of times sometimes home plate umpires they wouldn't even check um I mean frankly the night before Willie Randolph got away with some check swings where he definitely definitely went alas different different game we played back then than we did than we do now Anyway, I thought that that was a pretty entertaining exchange there. Regardless, regardless if they're calling check swings or not, right now, Burt Hooten, he's going to be untouchable. Um, you know, ends up working another long count against Thurman Munson, but gets him to chase the breaking ball. So two strikeouts in the first inning for Hooten. And in the top of the second, things once again 
two quick outs for Catfish Hunter. Gets Dusty Baker to ground out, gets Rick Monday to roll over to first, and gets in a two-strike two count against Steve Yeager. Has a chance to put him away, get through the inning. But once again, two-strike count, a pitch is going to be left up, of, up in the zone, and Steve Yeager is going to crush one. You were lucky, Howard, to grow up in New York City. See the Yankees, the great teams they had, the great players, the great rival, rivalry between the Dodgers and the Yankees. I saw Greenberg and Garrick play high school ball. Greenberg at James Monroe, Garrick at Commerce. Is that 1908 you saw that? Or what? <laughs> what year? <laughs> Yeager hits it high, hits it deep to left. Manella goes to the wall. He jumps. Home run, Yeager. Manella coming down hard, shaken. Dodgers lead 3-0. This is not an easy thing for a man like Jim Hunter, who has been so great, who's made his place in baseball history. Pinella sort of runs into the wall there, bangs his head against... Uh, against the padding. Um, and actually Billy Martin goes out it's kind of a couple minutes checking to make sure that he's okay. Um, but Steve Yeager runs in to the dugout and the Dodgers are up three, nothing early in this ball game. Not the way that things wanted to start for Jim Hunter, Billy Martin or the Yankees. Um, and, uh, Hunter's able to respond, get out his own number, gets Hooten to ground out. Um, but man, a rough start for these Yankees. And a little bit rougher because Bert Hooten is slinging it. I mean, just has them absolutely befuddled. Um, again, works a deep count against Reggie Jackson, but because of the threat of that knuckle curveball, Hooten dots a fastball right at the top of the zone to freeze Reggie Jackson, who's waiting for it to come down, but he's not able to pull the truck trigger. Three strikeouts in a row. And how about one more for good measure to start? Gets ahead of Chris Shambliss, one-two count, and with this pitch, see you later, Chris Shambliss. Bert Hooten has been most impressive. Of the four Yankees that he has faced up to Shambliss, he got Rivers to foul out to the third baseman. He struck out Randolph looking, Munson swinging, and Jackson looking, and now he has a strike of one and two on Shambliss. Oh, boy. Oh, he is shot tonight so far. Four strikeouts in a row. The look of a hot pitcher. And the Yankee batters looking like they don't know quite what they're looking for or at. Four strikeouts, and the last two have been fastballs, too. Um, I think they've got to be sitting on that knuckle curve. They just they just haven't seen it. They don't know what it looks like, and they want to get a good look at it. And they're just guessing wrong. What a great start for Burt Hooten in this game. And it's going to continue, and <laughs> things are just going to be looking up for the Dodgers here. Uh, Hooten's able to get Nettles to line out to second. And top of the third, like this is the time where, hey, second time through the order, second shot did not go well for 
catfish hunter first time through, maybe he can make some adjustments adjustments the second time. Well, not going to work out too great here. He does get Davy Lopes to ground out to second. A really, really nice play by Willie Randolph to get the speedy Lopes. But Bill Russell hits a line drive to left that Lou Pinella, who, you know, he's like, gets just a step late on it. He ends up kind of trapping it, scooping it, uh, you know, after a hop on the ground. Good effort by him, but not able to come in. And that brings up Reggie Smith with a runner on. Catfish does get into a 2-2 count, but once again, he's going to leave a ball right in Reggie Smith's wheelhouse. And boy, oh boy, does Reggie Smith not miss this one. So Billy Martin will have no choice now. Tom Lasorda applauding. Catfish Hunter shocked by Reggie Smith as he hits the ball at least 420 feet. And here comes Martin. Deep right center field seats. The third home run of the ball game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. They lead 5 to nothing, and Billy's at the mound. That's a real strong left-hand hitter right there. He got the ball down, boom, got right underneath the ball. Reggie knew it was gone, too. Mickey River knew it was gone. That's a long way out there. Reggie's played here, of course, in the American League. That's a long way to hit a baseball. Just a titanic blast from Reggie Smith, dropping the bat hand there, hitting it out to right center absolutely crushing it kind of in the same direction as that double in the first inning, but it gets a lot more loft on them on this one. You know, that the first inning double was sort of a missile. This is a launch, right? Just like a, an absolute bomb from the Dodgers right fielder. And it knocks catfish hunter out of this ball game. Billy Martin goes to get him, puts in Dick Tidrow. And certainly a disappointing outing. There was some hope from the Yankees fans and in the Yankees dugout that, hey, here's Catfish Hunter. Here's a guy who's just, he's not going to get rattled. But ultimately here, he just gets walloped. And honestly, that's actually not a surprise, given how much he struggled in the regular season, given the fact he's coming back from an injury It's a lot of pressure to put on a guy and, you know, but he's the type of guy who's going to go out there and take the ball. I mean, you credit Hunter for that. And, um, you know, this could be the end for Catfish Hunter. It almost looks like you you hear Howard talking about it there of, well, is this going to be the end for Catfish Hunter of, wow, what, what, you know, kind of almost waxing poetic about it. And, you know, it's the type of thing of where this is not a game that would define Catfish Hunter's legacy, right? It's already established, right? It's like when people try to talk about LeBron James's legacy in his 21st season. It's like, no, it's already set in stone. Like, this it's not, this is just icing on the cake, like, at the end, right? Like, the bulk of it is already done. I mean, it, like, it would be the same of the baseball comparison would be like, hey, Bob Gibson f- kind of, 
blowing it in game seven of the 1968 World Series was not a damaging thing to Bob Gibson's career, right? It was, hey, he got out to by Mickey Lolich in game seven. Okay, <laughs> whatever. You know, the rest of the work was already done. And that's the case for Catfish Hunter. What I will say, though, is, right, this is a bad end. He does make a, he actually makes a pretty good relief appearance later in this series. But Catfish Hunter is going to have a bounce back. Like, this isn't the end. This isn't the, 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 uh, what the kind of, you know, because when the end comes for players, sometimes players go out on top, right? They're able to go out on their own terms. Most of the time for people, though, eh, the game tells you you're done. And that does happen for Catfish Hunter, but it's not just yet. He is able to reclaim that greatness and he's able to bounce back in 1978 and we will get to that right and even in the world series he's able to bounce back and and kind of reestablish and 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 if there were anybody if there was anybody in the new york media or out there who was thinking after this game well maybe catfish hunter wasn't that postseason guy it's like nope there's plenty of context for this one he's coming back from injury and thrust into a situation and he got rocked but you know what? That does not define them. So anyway, props to Catfish for taking the ball. But unfortunately, he had to take this one on the chin. Dick Tidrow comes in, able to get some outs, able to f- sort of right the situation there. Um, and I'm going to credit the Yankees bullpen now with some help of some mistakes from the Dodgers, which we're going to get to. They do an excellent job at keeping this game where it is. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because Burt Hooten is a man on a mission, and that mission is to destroy the Yankees. Um, he ends up picking up two more strikeouts. He does give up a single to Lou Pinella, but he strikes out six of the first nine batters, right? And that plays into, right, he only picks up two more strikeouts the rest of the game, right, to finish with eight. He's going to finish with eight strikeouts in the game. But that dismantling first time through the order, it has an effect on the rest of the thing of, all right, now I can work aggressively because no one's going to want to get to two strikes for the rest of the game. They're all like, they are going to be scrambling to put the ball in play because they don't want to see that breaking ball with two strikes. They don't, they're going to want to make sure to put the ball in, put the ball in play because they don't want to strike out. That sort of thing matters. And so Hooten, he's able to put together a masterpiece in the in this game. And it's because of the first three innings. It's because he comes out aggressive. He's got that knuckle curve dancing and he's in their heads. Right. And right, it requires execution throughout the rest of the game, which he does have. But it's like that early part set in the tone masterfully done by Bert Hooten. Now, I do talk about some problems with the Dodgers of if Hooten wasn't so masterful, there would be a missed opportunity. And that actually happens here in the top of the fourth. After Dusty Baker flies out, Rick Monday picks up a base hit to center, moves over to third base when Steve Yeager sort of hits a pop-up down the right field line that no one can get to. And so it's first and third. First and third, nobody out, Burt Hooten at the plate. 
chance to add on, you know, Hooten doesn't necessarily have to do anything or thing here. He can stand there, take a couple strikes or bunt the guy over. And they even say, Hey, they're thinking, Oh, well, he'll bunt. We're not expecting a suicide squeeze here, but there was either a miscommunication or something, right. Or just a miss sign because Rick Monday starts charging down the line. But because Bert Hooten doesn't bunt it, this happens. They've got Monday hung up. And he's out. Throw back to second. They have Yeager at second, except the ball skidded away from Willie Randolph. I would just... I was just about to say, you'll probably bun here, but it won't be a squeeze. You'll just try to get the other runner down to second base. <laughs> Uh-oh, Rick comes in and says, oh, I can't go that way. I'll go back this way. No, I can't go that way either. Good rundown. Good fundamentals there by the Yankees. That's right. Very good rundown. They did. And now look at second. Yes, sir. And the quick throw by Munson. And, well, maybe they had him. Maybe they didn't. Didn't have the ball and got away. But reverting back to the prior picture, Tom, do you see how beautifully placed Tidrow was on the rundown? Excellent. We didn't rundown, see Mike. that last night when Baker got back safely against Chambliss. You know, despite this one being a 5 nothing game and with how well Burt Hooten's pitching, that's one of those momentum-changing plays or just kind of one of those dumb mistakes that if you don't clean it up, can quickly like turn things in the other direction. And it looks like, you know, cause Tidrow's able to strike out Hooten, get them out of the inning, no further damage done. They finally put up a zero, right? And in the bottom of the fourth, Willie Randolph gets an infield single, hits one in the hole that, um, that Bill Russell's not able to put enough on to throw out Randolph. And then Thurman Munson hits one up the middle setting up first and third, nobody out, right? And Reggie Jackson coming up to the plate, heart of the order and looking like a prime opportunity to do some damage here, get something back, right? Get a couple, get a couple runs, put up a crooked number and put some pressure on the Dodgers. And like, Reggie's up there. He's going to be hunting his pitch. He's going to be like, all right, maybe he's going to, if I see a fastball, I'm going to crush it. And he's going to hit the ball hard. But the Dodgers defense, and specifically Steve Garvey, right, they're going to give up a run here. But they are going to take away any sort of momentum for the Yankees. Good tough pitch. Kept it down. Reggie used to be a good low ball hitter, too. He might want that pitch back. Sharp to first base. Fair ball over to second one. Back to first. They've got a double play. And Willie Randolph enters home from third for the first one of the night for New York. 3 6 3 double play. Giving the run as Randolph scored from third and it's now five to one. 
That takes a lot of wind out of people's sails right there. Since that was a fine defensive play by Garvey. It was. Reggie hit that ball. He hit that ball hard. That ball goes all the way to the corner. It might score two runs. Certainly he was going to score one. Reggie get a double out of it. Chamberlain hits it sharply at Russell. Bill throws him out. And the inning is over. But New York gets on the scoreboard. After four complete innings of play now, it's 5-1 Dodgers. A really smooth play by Steve Garvey, picking that ball from the line. That was really sharply hit by Reggie Jackson. Um, and as they point out, it's a really key play there. Because although it scores a run, it kind of kills the momentum. It kills the rally. Uh, and, right, I mean, that's the only threat the Yankees are going to have in this game, apart from, as we get to later, some well-hit fly balls late in the game. Um, right? Like, that was seemed like, all right, second time through the order, maybe we figured something out. We've got some hard contact. But ultimately, that led to just one run and only one runner in scoring position. Right? Like, that's the type of thing where if you're it just... If that ball's a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, maybe it's a this game is a different story. Um, those hinge points in a game, they matter so much, right? Like, you know, it prevents things of – like, because what happened to Burt Hooten against the Phillies was he got into a really tight situation. He got rattled. <laughs> there were bases loaded, lots of runners on, and he wilted under pressure. This game and a credit, I mean, because part of the way to avoid pressure, to avoid wilting under pressure is you just don't get into pressure situations. You keep runners off base. You're not going to struggle. That's a pretty, pretty good strategy, if you ask me. And it's important that Hooten is able to do this because like I said, the Yankees bullpen does a great job in this game up until late. Dick Tidro, two and a third of really, really good uh, work here. Right? And, um, you know, in the bottom of the fifth, the Yankees actually do get two runners on, a runner on second base, but Hooten's able to strike out George Zeber and get Mickey Rivers to fly out. Again, once again, just sort of taking the wind out of the sails, able to shut down any trouble in this game. Uh, the Yankees rookie Ken Clay reliever comes in, and he does a fantastic job. He ends up throwing three scoreless innings, much needed, kind of saving the rest of the bullpen. That kind of, you know, Billy Martin doesn't know who he can turn to other than ho hoping that his starting pitcher can get the job done, right? Being this far behind in a game, he's not going to call on Sparky Lyle to go multiple innings. He is kind of curiously going to ask him to throw an inning in this game, but that might have been more of Sparky Lyle just wants to throw every day. Um, so where I'm going to take us to is the bottom of the eighth inning, right? Because pretty much not much interesting in this game happens. Um you know, the Yankees are able to kind of get a couple of base runners here and there, but Hooten shuts down everything. And 
credit to Ken Clay. He does the same thing. So it is a five to one ball game. Bomb of the eighth. Top of the order back up after Roy White pinch hits and pops out to center field. Mickey Rivers and Willie Randolph going to be up at the plate, and they are going to have the two best swings of the night for the Yankees. They're just not going to have enough legs under them. And credit to the Dodgers outfielders. Glenn Burke, who's come in for defensive reasons, and Dusty Baker and left for running these these balls down when they could have been trouble. They've got action up there with a couple of people warming up. And Rivers hits it high, and he hits it deep to right center. Burke all the way to the warning track, calls it down. About 390 feet, that's it. Out in Grand Canyon again. Big ballpark here. That's got a chance to be out in Dodger Stadium. He hit that ball well. He has, as I said, surprising power for a small man. Putin has allowed only six base runners, only one runner, reached second. He's been a commanding pitcher tonight, no question about it. Needs four outs. He started the inning with 101 pitches, probably has around 110 now. Right in with a strike to Randolph. Home runs by Say in the first, Yeager the second, Reggie Smith in the third. Aye. Did in Jim Hunter. Still got some heat on the ball, 88. He was throwing 88 early in the ball game. Still throwing very well. Yankees got airtight, airtight relieving. Two and two thirds innings from Tidrow, three innings from Young Clay. Hard shot to left for Randolph. Look out. Does he have another one? Oh, great running catch by Dusty Baker. Didn't have quite the carry that he put on it last night where he hit his first World Series home run. We've played eight innings of play. Los Angeles five, New York one. Some nice defensive plays there from the Dodgers, from Glenn Burke and Dusty Baker running them down on the warning track. And, I mean, that's just kind of the way things have gone for the Yankees in this game. Their best swings running out of gas at the warning track where the Dodgers – Theirs are just able to get out. Um, well, some of them out by quite some margin. And a guy who's made some nice defensive plays in this series so far has been Steve Garvey, uh, really known for having a good glove at first base and hasn't made much of an impact on the offensive end yet. But against Sparky Lyle in the ninth inning in a 2-1 count, Steve Garvey is going to join the party on the offensive side. Garvey just nailed one, going to left. Vanilla goes back to the wall, jumps. And it's in the seats, and there's a run. A home run. So Steve Garvey, who has been quiet, nails one on the line at 385 feet. It is in the seats, but I'll tell you this, Vanilla didn't miss it by very much. Couldn't tell until he came down whether or not the ball had actually reached the seats. So Garvey nails the homer, makes it a six to one ball game. Now watch how close Vanilla comes to it. Just over the top of his glove. I, w- I wasn't watching the monitor. There's another view of it. I was watching the left field. I couldn't tell when he jumped up in the field if he had it. I looked at, had to look at the monitor to see him miss it. So Garvey homers off Lyle to make it six one. What a great swing there by Steve Garvey, and once again Lou Pinella. Not able to jump high enough at the wall. Um, 
been a been a bit of an, an adventure for Lupinella in that left field wall here today. Uh, though he hasn't really, that was the only one he actually had a shot at. The other saves home run, uh, and Jaeger's definitely a couple more rows back into the seats there. And so everything's looking up for the Dodgers here. 6-1 lead. Burt Hooten is cruising, as you talked about. I do want to mention, I kind of, I didn't mention it before. They mentioned him throwing uh, 88, still maintaining 88 in the late innings. And that was decent enough back then. It's a much different game nowadays where uh, you would be kind of more remarking on someone still throwing 98 uh, in the eighth inning. But how about that for Burt Hooten? And uh, we saw Garvey turn a nice defensive play, obviously, earlier in the game, and then hit a home run. Well, Steve Yeager hit a home run earlier in this game, and with Thurman Munson, his catching counterpart at the plate, Steve Yeager is going to make heck of a defensive play to start off this ninth inning. Game has not had any of the excitement of last night's game, which was so terribly exciting. It's been one-sided all the way up to this point. One run and five hits so far for the Yankees. Munson hits a high pop, coming back. Yeager chases to the screen. Great play. That's a great play. In a ballpark that Steve Yeager doesn't play in, he right back to the ball. Doesn't really know the dimensions. Here he is. Now look at this. This is a new ballpark for Steve Yeager. Doesn't really know how far exactly it is from that home plate to that wall. Perfect timing. Outstanding defensive catcher. That was an outstanding play. You've got one out. For many teams, having a great defensive catcher with some pop in their bat, like a Steve Yeager, would be viewed as a luxury, right? You kind of pick one or the other. Well, when you're the Dodgers or the Yankees with someone like a Thurman Munson, luxuries are kind of the standard or they're expected, um, and they can more than afford them. Uh, We still see that today. So a nice play there by Steve Yeager, who, again, this is his first time playing at Yankee Stadium in a major league game, obviously his second game, of course. Um, but going out there, catching that ball, having enough room to go do it, really impressive play. And once again, want to mention Bert, Bert Hooten, who gets Reggie Jackson out here and then gets ahead of Chris Chambliss, has a chance to end the game right here, right now, cap off what is, in all honesty, one of the better postseason performances you're going to be. Just like, you know, there have been other shutouts and, and other things, but just absolute control from start to finish by Burt Hooten, really keeping them off balance. Just a dominant, dominant performance, which wasn't necessarily what you expected coming into this game. Howard, he's done a good job. Six complete games all year long. He's today's hero. He is today's hero. Yesterday was Paul Blair. Don't forget the guy down at first base that turned that double play. He may have turned this entire game around. Steve Garvey. Strike one to Chris Chambliss. Our research for the ball game of the series by Jerry Klein. As Chris Chambliss hits a high fly ball to right center field for Burke. The ball game is over and the Los Angeles Dodgers have pulled even with the New York Yankees. 
as the Dodgers defeat the Yankees by a score of 6-1 to one in the second game. And so the series will move to the West Coast. Off tomorrow for travel. Resumes Friday night. Bert Hooten goes nine innings. One earned run, five hits. He struck out eight. He walked one. I'd like the viewers to know before you close out, Keith, these Dodgers are not full of jubilation, jumping over one another. They're a kind of passionless team. They don't have the outward fire of the Yankees. Marvelous performance tonight by the right-hander, Bert Hooten, beats the Yankees 6-1. to one. Well, happy Hooten can uh, let out a smile after that great performance. Gives, gives a little fist pump, shakes hands as the team comes out to congratulate him on just a masterful, masterful outing. You know, tying this series up at one game apiece. It is interesting to note, though, there's no big, big celebration because there's a lot more work to do. Obviously, the Yankees, they won in dramatic fashion in game one. And they definitely play to the energy of the crowd and have one of the best showmen in the business in Reggie Jackson. Um, but also, by the way, your Thurman Munson and Willie Randolph and Sparky Lyle, they certainly bring a lot of emotion to the game as well, not to mention the manager, Billy Martin. And it's not as if these Dodgers are completely stoic. They do show emotion. They do show fire. Uh, and they certainly understand the entertainment of the business, being out there in Hollywood and Steve Garvey with the all-American smile and all of that. But it's interesting. They weren't a team that was fighting with one another the whole year. We don't – We don't. the the Yankees, we know a lot about them because they were fighting with one another the entire time, whether it was Billy Martin – versus George Steinbrenner or versus Reggie Jackson or Reggie Jackson versus Thurman Munson um, or, hey, here's all of these pitchers in here. I mean, right, there's a lot of egos, a lot of just a, a public knowledge about what was going on. Whereas with the Dodgers, there might not have been as much. It's kind of more relaxed. It's out in L.A. Yeah, there's stars and there might be stuff – about wanting to go with that, but there's some of it would be treated at a distance, right? Yankee Stadium, you're kind of on top of everything, whether whereas at Dodger Stadium, you're a little bit more removed, right? Um, and there's just a different energy in, in how things are covered. Um, and again, Howard Cosell loves to, he picks a narrative and he's going to stick with it. It might not always be completely accurate or it might not encapsulate the whole picture. Um, and, you know, ultimately Howard's a storyteller and he's wanting to pit these teams and these things against one another. Um, and so he exaggerates at times or embellishes certain things, but he does craft a narrative and there is some truth to it. Um, but regardless, we've seen some good baseball so far, right? Thrilling, dramatic game one, game two, got to see some great performances. The Dodgers, Ron Say, Jaeger, Reggie Smith, Steve Garvey, all going yard and Burt Hooten putting together one of the best performances you're going to see in a postseason. I mean, that's really 
what I think about here, right? There have been other there have been other great postseason performances, but what he did, how he set the tone, like I spoke about earlier, that the command of a game that you saw from Burt Hooten, one of the best you're going to see in a postseason, um, really rising to the occasion. Which, frankly, right coming into this game, even despite the injury that that Catfish Hunter was dealing with, given how Burt Hooten performed against the uh against the Phillies you would have been shocked i mean shocked that he comes out and it is masterful against the Yankees right the just the how he completely fell apart in Philadelphia right and you would think oh how is he going to go into Yankee Stadium and quiet that crowd and he did but you know who could tell you something like that is possible about happening be Catfish Hunter. Catfish Hunter, his first ever appearance against the Orioles in the postseason, he got lit up. I think he gave up four home runs. I mean, just absolutely demolished in his first ever postseason appearance. And then after that, he owned the Orioles. He found ways to beat them time and time again and become a postseason stud. So your first postseason appearance does not dictate what the rest will be, right? You will have opportunities for success and failure. Your team just needs to get you there in order for you to have that shot. So all that being said, we've got a great rest of the series to get to. We're heading out to LA for game three. It'll be Mike Torres versus Tommy John, two workhorses going at it out there in the bright lights of Los Angeles. Though, not sure if we'll actually have bright lights. We might still be in daytime when those games are starting. Anyway, plenty more to get to as we cover this series. Hope you'll continue to listen in. Until then, catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind.